Today I want to talk about Praise is the Power of Heaven, the song that we sang this morning. According to the laboratory of neuroimaging, which is in California, the average person has about 70,000 thoughts a day. Wow, that's a lot of thinking. Do you have 70,000 thoughts a day? There's one big problem with this. The vast majority of these thoughts are negative. And they say that gratitude can work to stop some of these negative thought patterns by replacing them with something positive. Secular counsellors encourage people to keep a gratitude diary or a gratitude journal, encouraging them to record some of the things they're thankful for each day. And I must admit, it's a great idea. And I'm sure it helps because it's a biblical principle. But to who are they thankful? Who are they thankful to? They don't believe in God. I guess they can be thankful to people around them. But what about beauty? The sky and sunshine and all of those things. Anyway, New York Times columnist David Brooks notes, I'm sometimes grumpier when I stay in a nice hotel. I have certain expectations about the service that's going to be provided. I get impatient if I have to crawl around looking for a power outlet. If the shower controls are unfathomable, if the place considers itself too fancy to put a coffee machine in each room. I'm sometimes happier at a budget motel where my expectations are lower and where a functioning iron is a bonus and the waffle maker in the breakfast area is a treat. This little phenomenon shows how powerfully expectations structure our moods and emotions. None more so than the beautiful emotion of gratitude. Gratitude happens when some kindness exceeds expectations, when it's undeserved. I believe, if I believe that I'm owed something, I won't be thankful because I think I'm entitled to it. If you just gave me a car for no reason, I'll be overwhelmed with gratitude. And I'll say, thank you. I can't believe you're so good to me. If I pay a fair market value for the car, when you hand me the keys, I'd say, that's fine, thank you, okay. But I won't say, thank you for this incredible gift. I'm overwhelmed because I bought it. I'm owed it. And the sinful human race is naturally entitled. We believe our gifts rightfully belong to us. And the more we think we're entitled to, the less we'll be grateful for. We wonder, why do people get, keep getting more and more and show less and less gratitude? The bigger our sense of entitlement, the smaller our sense of gratitude. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, we read about a time when three nations got together to attack King Jehoshaphat and his country of Judah. When he heard that a vast army was on its way to attack, he, being a wise king, determined to go to Jehovah for help. He proclaimed a fast for the whole country. Now armies in those days didn't have jeeps or tanks or planes, they had to walk. So it took quite a while for them to travel. They had to carry everything they needed to camp along each night along the way. 
tents, food, cooking utensils. And they brought, they brought their gods as well. And then they had to carry their weapons and their armour. So the frightened, desperate people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from every town in Judah to seek him. So this army was obviously a huge threat to Judah. A big enough threat to motivate people from every town to fast and to come together to seek God's help. You'd have to be pretty desperate, wouldn't you, to go without your food and travel and as it was in those days, they had to walk too to get together and Jerusalem. Now Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings. He had encouraged his people to worship Jehovah rather than the gods of the other nations. He did some dumb things during his reign, but don't we all? <laughs> but on the whole, he listened to God's prophets and tried to obey the word of God. He knew where to look for help. When the people had gathered, Jehoshaphat stood before them at the temple of the Lord and prayed, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to their descendants? The descendants of Abraham, your friend, they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and we'll cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. So he's in his prayer, it's a pretty good prayer. He starts off declaring God's power and greatness. And he goes on to talk about what God did in the past. And then reaffirming his nation's intention to trust God in times of trouble. He goes on. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive out, drive us out of the possession you gave us? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. So Jehoshaphat goes on. He reminds God, hey God, it was your idea that we don't destroy these people. You told us to leave them alone when we came in. And look what they're doing. Finally, he presents the problem. Hey God, we can't fight this vast army. We haven't got a clue what to do. We're looking to you. What a prayer. I feel like that sometimes, don't you? Well, when Jehoshaphat finished praying, the Holy Spirit gave one of the men a prophetic word. He stood up and said, Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty big problem. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. 
You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Notice the message didn't say you don't have to do anything, God will just fix it all. They still had to prepare, they still had to march, they still had to go. They still had to take their weapons and wear their armour. They still had to pack up their tents and all their stuff, walk a long way carrying everything. What was the people's response to this prophetic message? They spent some time worshipping and praising God. Thanking with loud voices, it says. They lifted up their voices and loud shouts. They praised God. Then, the next morning they went. And that's faith. Going out to meet a vast army that you know you're not going not to win the battle in the natural. And I'm sure you've heard about Jehoshaphat before. And you know that he came up with another radical idea. He sent the singers and musicians out ahead of the army. As a musician, I'm not overly fond of this idea <laughs> when it comes to a physical battle. But I believe our music team here is very special. We're very blessed to have a music team whose heart and passion is to worship God. Do you know who comes to the Sunday afternoon prayer group? Mostly the music team. They have such a passion for God. And when we get together on Sunday afternoon, we don't just come to God with a list of requests, our shopping list praying. We spend the first half at least of our time in praise and worship and thanking God, opening the door to the King of Kings. Last Sunday we used Psalm 103 to inspire our praise time. It starts off, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. And it continues on for a whole chapter. Lots of things to be thankful for. The end of the story of Jehoshaphat is that as soon as the singers began to sing and proclaim God's faithful love, the enemy armies, who weren't even in sight yet, all fought each other. And when the army of Judah finally arrived at the place where the enemy had been camped, all they could see was dead soldiers. God had done the fighting for them. It took them three days to collect up all the loot, and then they went home praising God. So you'll note that most of the singing and praising that went on in this story was actually before the victory. They didn't wait till they could see the result before they gave God the glory. And they kept on praising them once they'd seen the result. But in their prayer, in their march of faith, singing, declaring God's faithfulness was all before they knew what was actually going to happen. So why does the Bible exhort us everywhere we turn to be thankful, to praise the Lord? In Colossians, Paul says, Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, 
singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the first thing that praise worship does is open the door to the king. When Jehoshaphat prayed, he opened the door before he put his request to God. Of course God always hears us and knows what we need even before we ask. But he wants us to use our faith to work with him to bring his upside down kingdom into this world. As we praise from our hearts, we build our faith. We rewire our brains to see God for who he is. We adjust our expectations to be in one accord with the word of God instead of with our feelings. And the second thing about praise and worship is the devil hates praise and worship and thankfulness given to God. In Ephesians 6, Paul starts by telling us to put on our armour so we'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the evil one. Remember Jehoshaphat's men? They still had to take their weapons and wear their armour. And God might be fighting for us, but we still need our armour. So when we look at the armour of God, there's lots of aspects to it, but today I want to look at it from the perspective of praise and worship. The belt of truth. We sing that song, Voice of Truth. Help us, Lord, to believe your word and not what we feel. <laughs> As we speak the truth about who God is, that's worship, and what he's done, that's praise. When we acknowledge that the Lord is God, that he's made us, he's the source of life. We are made in the image of God and not just a random collection of molecules. When we acknowledge all of those things, we see God's truth and we see his power released. The devil hates us reminding ourselves of the truth of the word instead of believing his subtle lies. Then there's the breastplate of righteousness. What righteousness? It's that free gift of grace. And how do we put it on? Thank him for his gift. Praise him for his grace in covering our sin, making us new people. The devil especially hates us thinking about grace and the gift of being right in God's sight instead of the guilt trip that he wants to lay on us. Then there's the shoes, the peace that comes from the good news. What's the good news that gives us peace? How do we put those shoes on? Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sure, ask for his help, but don't forget the thanksgiving. Notice Paul says, to present your requests with thanksgiving. Thanking turns our eyes to the one that we're asking. Remember Jehoshaphat's prayer? Thanking before we see the answer builds our faith that he is able to answer. Sometimes when I pray, 
I know I don't really believe that God's going to answer. I kind of ask him, but my expectation is pretty low. And yet, if we spend some time thanking and talking to him about who he is before we ask, it builds our faith. The devil hates us looking to God for peace and answers instead of trying to find them on our own or in the world. The shield of faith. How do we hold that up? Declaring our God is able. Declaring what he's done. Declaring who he is. Praise builds faith. It's looking to Jesus. Travel back 200 years in Christian history to John Newton, the slave trader turned pastor and hymn writer. He would receive almost unbelievable answers to his prayers because he believed in what he called large asking. When explaining what he meant, Newton would often cite a legendary story of a man who asked Alexander the Great to give him a huge sum of money in exchange for his daughter's hand in marriage. Alexander agreed and told the man to to request of Alexander's treasurer whatever he wanted. So the father of the bride went and asked for an enormous amount. The treasurer was startled and said he couldn't give out that kind of money without a direct order. Going to Alexander, the treasurer argued that even a small fraction of the money requested would more than serve the purpose. No, replied Alexander. Let him have it all. I like that fellow. He does me honour. He treats me like a king and proves by what he asks that he believes me to be both rich and generous. Newton concluded, in the same way, we should go to the throne of God's grace and present petitions that express honourable views of the love, riches and bounty of our king. The devil hates us building up our faith by focusing on who our king really is. And the helmet of salvation. How do we put that on? Praise acknowledges our dependence on God, that we need saving. We're so thankful and appreciative that he saved us from a Christless eternity. And he goes on saving us in so many ways. And the devil hates us acknowledging that we need to be saved instead of thinking we can manage our lives on our own. And the sword of the Spirit, the Word is constantly reminding us of all we have to be thankful for, showing us how great our God is, giving us examples of His power, reminding us of His love and grace, exhorting us to praise, worship and thankfulness. And the devil hates us using the word of God instead of the wisdom of this world. And finally, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Praising in tongues is powerful. It's difficult for us to fathom. But Paul includes it here at the end of the list. So I try to do it. And I find it can be calming or invigorating. It can bring a stronger sense of Holy Spirit's presence. Or bring a sense of being in the battle. Holy Spirit knows what I need and somehow uses that prayer to provide it. 
And the devil hates us praying in tongues because he can't understand or break that connection that we have with the Holy Spirit when we do this. If the devil hates all these things, then I want to do them, don't you? Finally, the third thing that praising God does is it changes us so that we reflect him to the world around us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever done that thing where you get a mirror and try to focus the sun onto something to set it on fire. It's a favourite game of young people. And when we focus the mirror, it catches the sun's power and glory and reflects it into the world. Worship and praise turn our focus to Jesus and that continues to transform us. His power and glory shine out in our lives every day to those we meet. So praise is the power of heaven. Praise is the power that opens the door to the King. The powers of darkness flee when we praise and magnify thee. Praise changes us so we reflect him to the world. Father, we thank you. We want to praise you. We want to worship you because you are worthy, because we want to have your glory as we look on you and all that you are. Change our hearts so that we can be your witnesses in this world. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. We come before you because we know you are such an almighty, powerful God who can do more than we can even ask or think. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.